Heavenly Father, we do pray that you might go before us now. Lord, may your spirit come upon us, may you still us, may you help us not to be distracted. Lord, may you give us ears that we'd hear what it is that you would say to us. Lord, please have mercy upon us and give us grace that we might not have hard hearts. Lord, it is our desire that we might live to the praise and glory of your name and of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, please go before us now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's amazing how quickly things just move on. Just seven days ago, we were celebrating Christmas. We were already starting to take our Christmas tree down. Yet despite all that hype, you just go out onto the streets and you can see people have pretty much forgotten Christmas. Within days of celebrating Christmas, what is everyone doing? Everyone's got their eyes set on the big New Year's Eve party. That's the big focus that everyone's got. And somehow Christmas just becomes the sideshow or the warm-up giving me the rest that I need so as to be prepared to stay up as late as I need to the following week. And when you think back just to what Christmas was about for many and probably, I don't know, some of us here, it was just really about presents, wasn't it? A chance to go and get something under the tree on Christmas morning. They say it's the busiest time of shopping in our country that week leading up to Christmas. It was about a holiday. Australians love holidays. When did Christmas fall? It fell on a Sunday, so we had to have the Monday, and then we have to have the Tuesday. Christmas is about holidays. Food. Lots of food. I ate too much. Prawns, puddings, pies, all those sort of things. We live near the Sydney fish markets, and they speak of the millions of kilograms, almost, of things that are sold. It was about family. That's very important. Getting somewhere together with your family at a particular place. So seven days ago, everyone was focused on presents, holidays, family and food. And then last night, New Year's Eve. I don't know where you lived or where you lived, but you probably heard it. We spend millions of dollars on fireworks each year. Everyone parties on till the early morning. Everyone's drinking. It's just this big frenzy. Everyone's stirred up into this party atmosphere that you just get swept up in and everyone just wants to be a part of it. And if it was like Christmas last week and the couple of times where I have gone into the city for New Year's Eve, there's just a big mess left afterwards, rubbish everywhere. And it's a chance for people to randomly hug out and grab people and hug them It's not always the most pleasant experience, so don't feel you're missing out if you haven't been into the city. But Christmas is gone. It's as if it never happened. Yet leading up to Christmas, every time we said the word, heard the word or saw the word, we're reminded what Christmas was all about. It was about Christ. And yet everything in our society does what it can to make it as Christ-less as possible. And you probably read it in the papers, the bureaucrats that just put up those banners that just said, very merry. Let alone their wrong understanding of Christmas, they didn't even want the word. And yet councils work so hard to spend as little as they can on Christmas and then work so hard to spend as much as they can on New Year's Eve. Last night, I think, was meant to be the most ever spent, bigger and better every year. And yet that celebration, which has all the meaning 
is given nothing, it's scoffed. And the celebration that really has no meaning, go around the world, everyone has New Year's at a different time, (laughs) is given all the meaning. The celebration that should receive the glory is robbed of its glory and the one that should have nothing really is given all the glory. Did you truly celebrate Christmas last week? That's my question. Did you truly celebrate Christmas? What impact, because this is where it's going, that question, then what impact did Jesus coming into the world, is it, what impact is it having on your life? Has it changed anything? And as we gather today on the first day of the year, is it going to change anything about your year ahead? 2017. So my task this morning isn't to make you feel good. It isn't to make you feel all positive going into 2017. To stir up your emotions. If I did that, I'd fail. My goal this morning is to give you the truth. And to hold on by God's grace to the truth as you go into 2017, another year. Because if I give you the truth, I give you the greatest gift. A far greater gift than anything you got last Saturday or last Sunday, even if it was what you're hoping for. With all the celebrations of Christmas last week or New Year's last night, it's all temporal. Everyone gets stirred up for the moment. As we've said, people have forgotten Christmas. Some people don't even remember last night. It's all about the moment. Yet something happened last week that should have you thinking about eternity. Where will you be, not just in 2017, not just in the next five years or a hundred years, but the next million years, the next forever? Where will you be? Because after you live this life, God says very clearly there is something more. So it is foolish just to live for this life. Over and over, God tells us in his word, the Bible, the fool lives just for the moment, just for the next party, for the next drink. But the wise person thinks about eternity. Are you living wisely as you come into a new year? We all love a fresh start. Some people have probably already made a few New Year's resolutions. But those resolutions will mean nothing. Maybe after a week. But in a hundred years' time, they will mean nothing. What will matter is whether you're in heaven or in hell. That is the thing that will matter. Our world and the devil does not want you to think about eternity. That's why Christmas is so Christless. That's why last night is just about drunken revelry. That is why as you come into this new year, the most important things for resolutions are going to be to do with being fit and healthy. Going on a good holiday this year. Getting that job, living comfortably, being happy. That is what the world and the devil wants us to do and it shapes the philosophy of Christmas And make sure it's not shaping you. It is so easy to say something, but be something else. As you come into 2017, where's Jesus fitting in? Those New Year's resolutions, just put them on hold for a moment. 
And what have you resolved about Jesus Christ? That comes first. Are you going into this new year full of the Spirit or full of wine? Have you stopped? Far better to start the first day of the year sober, very sober, and to consider the things of God, and that's going to give you a foundation and a footing that will take you forward. Get that down first. Do you truly know Jesus? Living a life that will lead to eternal life or to destruction? And so three things this morning as I want us to get thrown back to what we remembered last Sunday and to hold on to those things as we go into the new year. Firstly, the birth of Jesus. I want us to think about the birth. Then I want us to think about the person. Then I want us to think about you. So the birth, the person, and then you. Firstly, what about the truth of the birth? We're going to think about this as historical, miraculous, and prophetic. So firstly, historical. The first thing that the Bible tells us, and if you've got your Bible open there in Matthew 1.18, it says this, This is how... The birth of Jesus Christ came about. Christmas is not based on a myth or a fairy tale. It is based on an historical event. That is what the goal of the Bible is. It says this is how, this is what happened. Read this as if you were there. These are the things that took place. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. There was literally a lady named Mary, a man named Joseph. Mary was truly pregnant. Joseph truly did not want to marry her. It was real. So the birth of Jesus is historical. Secondly, it's miraculous. What did Joseph want to do when he found out that Mary was pregnant? No way. I'm not going to marry this girl. Because he truly believed what? That another man had made her pregnant. That is how these things happen. And so Joseph was not going to marry her. We read these and we can do all sorts of apologetics on this. And you can think the biggest person to convince here is you. It's not. The hardest person to convince in this situation is Joseph himself. If you accept this or don't accept it, nothing really happens in your life. You can just go on being yourself. But if Joseph believes this, there are very real consequences. Firstly, Joseph believed that she was an immoral woman. How else could she be pregnant? And he was a righteous man, a godly man. If he was to honour God, he can't marry this woman. Surely. So before God, he had an issue. But also before men. Those in his society, those in his community, those in his own house knew him to be a godly man. And if he went ahead and married her, maybe he is the purpose or the reason. Maybe he is the father of that baby and now he's trying to cover himself and go as far away as he can. Or what sort of godly man is he really? Look how he compromises marrying this immoral girl. He's not really a godly man. He just really likes that girl and he's going to be with her. 
Before God and before men, there were very real consequences for the decision that Joseph was going to make. And yet he is the one who came to truly believe that that child in Mary was a miracle from God. How did that happen? Verse 20. But after he considered all these things, even trying to divorce her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph was afraid. And yet God came to him. He overcame all his fears. He became thoroughly convinced That angel made it quite clear the Holy Spirit had come upon Mary. A miracle had taken place. God the Creator had stepped into his creation and done this amazing thing. And when you stop and think it was at the hand of God, it should not surprise us or we shouldn't go, this is impossible. What did the angel say to Mary? Nothing is impossible with God. You believe that, so believe in the virgin birth. The birth of Jesus was historical and it was miraculous. Believe it and hold on to it. It's the truth. And thirdly, it was prophetic. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. 700 years before we received those words from Isaiah, God had spoken through Isaiah and given his people hope in the midst of hopelessness that God would send a saviour. And so for we look back 2,000 years, do not think this is something that is just a freak of nature. This is just weird. It was expected. For 700 years, God's people had been waiting for the virgin who would conceive. It was to happen. And if we know our Bibles, it wasn't just 700 years that they had been waiting, were they? They had been waiting for this birth of this child since the very beginning. Go back to Genesis 1, 2 and 3. A son born of the woman, but then Isaiah stirs it up a bit more by saying she will be a virgin. And so God's people were not surprised when it happened. They were waiting and they rejoiced. So as we read here that this birth that we remembered last week was the fulfillment of prophecy. It has to be the most important birth in history. More important than your birth, which our society would want you to believe is the most important. This birth is the fulfillment of God's promise. Secondly, if this birth is the fulfillment of this promise, this is the one whom God said he would send into the world. You can look around the world, it doesn't just happen virgin births, but once a virgin birth takes place and you know the prophecy that the virgin will be with child, you zoom in on Mary and you go, this son born to Mary is the promised one. I need to take note. 
And then when you zoom in as well, you see the son born to the virgin. What did the prophet say? Emmanuel, you bring the two together. And you know that that child is God with us. The truth is, seven days ago, we should have been reminding ourselves that the birth of Jesus was historical. It was miraculous and it was the fulfillment of prophecy. So as you start this new year, as you do the check on your life, which people tend to do, are you walking into this year truly believing that Jesus walked this earth, the Son of God, not just ticking it off, but believing it? Are you truly believing that it was a miraculous act of God that brought Jesus into this world? Or are you just saying a baby was born in the manger? And then you make your own plans. Are you truly believing it is the fulfillment of the prophecy, the very words of God? And holding on to that as you look forward into a new year. Don't be found professing Christ, but practically living out a life as if none of those things actually happened. Everyone around us wants to live life and have a Christless Christmas. But God's people, in our public lives, we are not to live Christless lives. Our friends, our family, our people at work should know that we believe Jesus came to this earth. Historical, miraculous, and prophetic. Now let's think about the truth about the person. Who is this son that was born? It's easy to start this year. And because we get more excited about the parties last night, that Jesus just gets shrunk. And so we don't really think about his importance as we make our plans. So as much as we think about the incredible birth, start thinking about who he is himself. And we'll do three headings for this one. God, King and Saviour. And we're going to look at them by looking at the titles that Jesus receives. So firstly, God. What are they told? Verse 23. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God. And let your brain stretch and think God with us. It is not just figurative. It is literal. When you flick over a few Gospels, what do we read? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. Jesus himself said, I and the Father are one. And Jesus again said, before Abraham was... I am. And when you read the Old Testament, I am is the title that God uses for himself. The way you respond to Jesus, that man born to Mary, on that first Christmas morning is the way you respond to God. How you respond to Jesus going into 2017 is how you will respond to God. You can't have God without Jesus. Jesus is God the Son in the flesh. Secondly, he is the king. 
Verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. It's another title. That name Christ is the title given throughout the Bible to God's promised king. And when you think king, think of the one who has all power and authority, absolute rule. And it says here, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ. Last week, we should remember the king of kings came into the world. How do Australians like to think of Christmas? Or how do they like to think of Jesus? They like the nativity scenes. We like to go back and think of just a baby in a manger. And why is that so good? Because we can domesticate Jesus. If he's just a little baby, I can do life my way. I don't have to bow the knee before a little baby. I can just keep living my own sinful life. I can go into New Year's, move on from Christmas, and I can revel and party and get drunk. What difference does Jesus make? But to live like that would be far from the truth. Far from the truth. Here's the one before whom you will bow your knee one day. Here's the one before whom everyone will bow the knee. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And what will the king do? One day he will come and establish his rule upon the earth. He is the king who will eradicate the world of all sin and rebellion against God. He will establish the peace of God across the face of the earth. And all who live in rebellion against God, he will remove from the face of the earth. As you go into 2017, have you got Jesus on the radar? The one who is going to reign over all the earth forever. Who sits on the throne with all authority. And with that authority, he is the one who has the power and the decision is his of whether he will welcome you into his kingdom or shut you out of his kingdom. That is who was born, who came into the world. Jesus is God and Jesus is King and he's Saviour. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. You may say, why doesn't Jesus just come and establish his peace? Wouldn't that be a lovely thing? It wouldn't be. Because as the king comes to establish his peace, he removes all sinners from the face of the earth. And God has said there is no one righteous, not even one. Which means if Jesus just came as the king to establish his rule, no one would be left. But the good news is God in his patience sent the Saviour to provide a way that you can be saved on the day of judgment. He was born as a perfect, sinless man. He lived a perfect life. He was born to go to the cross. He was born to die as a substitute for sinners. On the cross, if your faith is in Jesus, he bore the wrath of God in your place. 
Have you got Jesus before you, your Saviour, who has secured your eternity if your faith is in him as you make your plans for 2017? Don't go into this year just thinking of a little manger. He is the sovereign King of kings, God in the flesh, Lord of lords, a mighty Saviour. Remember who was born. And finally, the truth in you. Most Australians don't know the true joy of Christmas, do they? And they just roll on into New Year with wishful thinking. We'll try things a bit differently this year and we'll see if things go better. And one reason they persist in doing this is because they keep living in sinful denial. But they need to be saved. Which means they live in denial that they are sinners. Until someone, until you maybe, truly acknowledges the truth of how sinful you are and the truth of the coming judgment, you will never truly be able to celebrate Christmas. You'll never truly be able to go into a new year with the peace of God. Sin and judgment, two things our world does not want us to think about. Leading up to Christmas, two Australian academics, Kathy McKay, well, Dr. Kathy McKay and Professor Chris Boyle, opposed Christmas. They wrote their articles in the paper. And one of the points that they made, this idea of a terrifying North Pole intelligence agency judging behaviour is harmful to children. An intelligence agency judging behaviour will harm our children. Now, on the one thing I want to say, yes, we don't want our children to believe in a lie. But there's a lot more going on there. You look at modern day psychology, sociology and all the other, it's not just the thought of a Christmas idea of judging behaviour, it's the thought that anyone should judge someone's behaviour. The thought that anyone should be a sinner. Modern day psychology said it's harmful for people to think that. How foolish. And it's devilish. The truth is God is. And God is righteous. And every time people don't live his way, it is sin. And God himself in this passage before us says people need to be saved. And saved from what? From sin. You might have the doctors and the professors of our day saying things like this. Don't be deceived. And this is what many around us are believing. Sin is real. Judgment is real. God will judge every action. In many ways, this Christmas idea is tame. God sees everything. He sees all that you say, all that you think, all that you do. He sees what you do publicly and in secret. And God in his righteousness has said one day he will bring everything to account. Deny the judgment of God. Go the way of the wise of this world and you will perish. 
But read what we looked at last week. Read what we were reminded with Jesus coming into the world. Listen to God and remember as you go into this year, you're a sinner who needs to be saved. The most harmful thing you can do for your soul is to deny it. And listen carefully too. Because then some people would say, okay, I believe we're sinners, I believe God will judge, but in the end it'll be okay. That's not what God says to us, does he? If you just live your own life and don't do anything too bad, you're not going to be saved, but people think they will be. What does it say here? Verse 21. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Not because he's going to save everyone, because he'll save his people from their sins. As you go into a new year, are you one of his people? Because only if you are one of his will you be saved. Only if you're one of his can you make plans into a new year at peace with God. And so repent and believe. That is what we need to do. Will you repent? Acknowledge that you're a sinner who needs to be saved. Say, I want to turn away from living my selfish, self-centered, non-God-centered life. I want to surrender my life to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. I want to live under his rule. I want to honor God in that. I want to say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. With Peter, you are God's king, the son of the living God. Do you believe that Jesus is God's salvation? Lay hold of him. Put everything upon him. Because Jesus promises that if you come to him, he will never drive you away. If you put your trust in him, you will be saved. You are one of his. Maybe that's the greatest decision you can make at the start of this new year. Trust in Jesus. And as you do, you'll be saved forever. And the incredible truth that he himself bled and died on the cross for you. He himself, the Son of God, came and bore God's wrath in your place. How could you not live for him? How could you deny him anything going into a new year? Believe. Have you acknowledged your sin? Have you repented and believed? Another year begins. What difference will the birth of Jesus make with your plans? Remember, it was truly historical, miraculous and prophetic. Remember that Jesus is truly God, King and Saviour. And remember you're a sinner who needs to be saved from the coming judgment and through repenting and believing in him you can be saved have you already made all your plans you need to stop and spend time with the Lord first have you just made no plans and 2017 is probably not going to look any different to 2016 and maybe you need to stop and consider Jesus the true king Because my prayer is that all of us would be able to say with Joshua, 
And I pray for with us as well, as for me and my household, as we go into 2017, and not just 2017, but the rest of our lives and into eternity, we will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. Let's pray. Father, your love leaves us speechless. It's a love that we can't even begin to comprehend the heights, the depths, and the width. Father, that your own Son should leave the glories of heaven and come as a man to walk this earth to a cross to save your people. Father, please keep us from being swept up in all the worldliness. Please keep us from holding on to the lies of the world and the devil around us. Lord, please help us. May your spirit work within us that we would fall at the throne of Jesus as we start this new year and that we give him our all. In Jesus' name, amen.